So, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. And we thank you, God, for this wonderful group of believers who have gathered here in your name, God. And I just pray that you would speak to us today, God. We, we thank you for our graduates. We, we honor them. We bless them today, God. They have worked so hard, and we're so proud of them. God, you're going to do something great in their lives. We have a great group of young people in this church, young adults that are going out into the world, and we expect them to just, uh, by the power of our Christ, to do great things. And Father, we just thank you that we have a church family that loves them, that supports them, that, that wants to see them do well in life. And God, we want to pass the baton to them one day. God, we want to work with them and then one day pass the baton when we move on into glory. We're not passing the baton yet. We're not in glory yet, but we, but we want to prepare God to one day be able to pass the baton and just keep passing the baton till you call us all home. And so, Father, just bless. Help us to work together to, to help one another until then. And Lord, just uh, speak to our hearts today and change our lives through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How many in Mark 7, if you got your Bibles, uh, how many have ever thought you could do something really well, and then uh, you, you uh, I'll tell a story about a pastor uh, that, I, that I admire and listen to a lot, and he tells the story about when he was young, that he had some older cousins, and he said uh, that he, he was good at balancing when he was young getting on the side and, you know, walking on something and balancing. So when their cousins, older cousins, began to do things like skateboard or snowboard, he said it just came natural. Like he just did it well and he could hang and keep up with them. And, and so when they all got into hockey, he thought, well, that's another sport with balance and I'll, I, I can do just fine with that. That won't be a problem. And so he said it really wasn't a problem until his mom signed him up for uh, hockey lessons and got him involved in actual playing of the, of the game. And he said he was learning to do everything, skating, no problem, all of that. But he said one day he didn't realize they, when he went to the hockey school that they allowed you to check the person. I don't know if you know what that means in hockey. We don't have a lot, a lot of hockey here. We used to have the Birmingham Bulls when I was little, and we'd go watch them play, and I think they might still come and go around every now and then. But, but uh, what checking means, Raymond, is that uh, just out of nowhere, you can decide to just come and just lower your shoulder into the guy and just, uh, or gal, if you want to play gals, and, and, uh, and just literally just, just level them. That's the object uh, is to actually just take them out of the picture, steal the puck, and go down and score. So you, the harder the better. And so he didn't realize that, and he said he got out there, and he's a young guy, and he's out there just really going, thinking he's doing all that. And then he said all of a sudden to have a reality check to just absolutely out of nowhere, somebody just came and leveled him. And he said he never played hockey again. Never, never. He said he has the skates in his room to this day, years later, in his bedroom back home, but he never played again. And, and some of us have done that, whether it be football, we thought, man, I'm tough, and I can handle that only to get out there and just get, like, hammered and just say, hey, I'm done with this. You know, to get some kind of, re re uh, uh, some kind of reality check. And I'm wondering if some of us might have done that with COVID-19. I believe some of us might have gotten a reality check because we begin to tell you things like, you better make sure your roots go down deep. You better take this time and press into God and, and all of these things. And I had those things that I was going to do as well. Maybe when, when, you, when it began and you heard the news, we're going into lockdown. Maybe you thought, hey, this is not so bad for a minute. Maybe you thought, finally, 
I can get some things done. Maybe you thought I've always wanted to homeschool my children and now there's this opportunity. Only to find out that uh, you thought they were angels and uh, only to find out they were demons, right? And, and, or maybe you thought I'd like to work at home. I really think I would love to work at home. Only to get into it week after week after week after week. And all of a sudden things are coming out of your heart that you never thought. You're yelling at your spouse. You're, 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 you're short on the phone. You're, you're, you're getting, you know, you're, you're frazzled and things are starting to come out of you that you just don't, the first few weeks, man, I was trying to get a trip. We we paid a lot of money to go on a trip and they canceled the trip on us and I'm on the phone and things are coming out of me anger and things are just how dare you not refund my money how dare you take 20% of what, I, what we just paid and we're getting nothing for it how dare you only give me a, a, a week uh, you know and all these things are coming out of me a reality check all these things that I didn't realize were there because I could hide them in the busyness of life when I was going to work every day, hustling out the door, hey Marcy, I'm going, grab us something to eat real quick, get out the door, race to the job, get on the computer, race to there, race out of there in the afternoon, race to church when it was a church night, just race, 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 race. I could cover up a lot of these things that were going on until I got into COVID-19 lockdown. And now all of a sudden, it's beginning to, uh, the things I thought were going to be easy, man, I'm going to read the Bible every day, right? I'm going to be a Bible scholar. I'm going to dig in. I have books. I got books all around me. I've got so many books on the, on the underground church, the martyred church. I got books everywhere. If you came in, you'd think, boy, Brad's really studious. The only problem is I haven't got into many of them. Right? We were going to pray more. Right? We were going to pray more. We were going to fast. Only to find out, rather than going to our knees and fasting, we're going to the refrigerator every day and it shows on us when we come out of quarantine. I was going to pray, but rather than that, they gave us free Netflix. And we binge-watched show after show after show after show, right? And so it reveals this reality check. And, and we had this idea that it will, will all work out, but then we get a week or two in it, and there's this reality check that, that uh, uh, things are, are beginning to be exposed, and the busyness of life has masked these issues, masked these issues of the heart. And, and, and certain issues that are inside of us. And, and now we're seeing these things are taking us by surprise maybe as we come out of COVID-19, as we come out and get some little bit of normalcy back. And so, uh, but, but, but maybe you've even realized my relationship with God has changed because of COVID. Maybe you had a reality check that I wasn't what I thought I was. I really thought I was all this and I was going to do this. And not only has society changed and the physical has changed, but maybe now I'm not what I thought I was in God. And how do I deal with that new normal now? How do, how do I come out of this thing dealing with that? Because with that often brings what Amber just brings shame. It brings shame. It brings, it brings condemnation. It brings guilt. Like on a person like me, it definitely does. Because I'm mad because I haven't read all those books. I'm mad because issues have come out of my heart that I didn't think were there, that I, that I thought were handled, that I thought I had a check on. But in reality, I got checked. And I realized that I'm not, I'm not what I want to be or what I thought I was. And so that brings us to a story that I absolutely love today. I love when I go into the Scriptures and hear other people and find a story that I really never meant anything to me before, but it will always mean something to me now. And so if you got your Bibles, look at Mark 7, 24. And we're going to read down 
down through verse 30. And I want you to read this with me. It says, Jesus left that place and he went to the vicinity of Tyre. And he entered into a house and he did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he heard about him, they heard, as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek. Now this is interesting. Jesus never went to a fully Gentile place except right here that I know of. He went through Samaria, which was a half half Jewish, half Gentile. This is the only time I know about going to Tyre into another region or another country to a full Gentile. And so it says, the woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia, and, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread to toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying in the bed and the demon gone. Now, like I said, this is the first time that Jesus goes out of his country to min minister, so to say. He had done it. I must needs pass through Samaria. But we know that was a mixed race of Jewish and Gentile people. He begins his... If you read the story, you've got to read the whole beginning of Mark 7. You've got to read this whole chapter to get the context. If you don't get the context, you're going to do what I did for many years and say, I really don't understand this story and how dare Jesus call this woman a dog and all these things just don't begin to make sense. But when you read the story to its full, you will understand exactly what it means. And Jesus starts this, uh, this uh, story in Mark 7. He begins Mark 7 with the debating with the Pharisees. He ends debating with the Pharisees and then moves right into this story. And these are not two different stories. This all goes together. You don't stop it and then read this story as though it's a separate incident. You need to read it all the way through because it, it, he's, he's talking to them about what defiles a person and he begins to talk to them that it's not what you eat it's not what you put in your mouth and digest in your body. He made all foods unclean here. He said it's not what you put in your mouth and goes into your stomach and comes out when you go to the restaurant. He says that's not what defiles a person. He says it's not whether you're, it's not the region you live in or the association of people that you have. It's not Jew. It's not Greek. It's not Gentile that, that causes you to be impure or defiled. And he takes it a step further and he begins to tell us it's what comes out of the heart. It's out of your heart that comes such bitterness. It's out of your heart that comes such anger. It's out of your heart that comes such wicked and defiled things. You're talking about putting a pork chop in your mouth, but your heart is sick. That's what you need to be focused on. That was just a picture of what's inside of you. All sorts of evil. All sorts of wicked things. All sorts of hate. All sorts of bitterness. All sorts of unforgiveness. All sorts of rage. All sorts of malice. All sorts of evil. That's what I've come to deal with. Man, we get on, we read this Bible and just do like the Pharisees and just get on the surface and don't go down to the real spiritual meaning. And then we just put laws on people and just start just making them feel horrible. Just, just, just twofold children to hell more than ourselves. 
You know, just doing exactly what they do here. And Jesus is saying, no, it's read it. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. That's what I've come to deal with. That's what I've come to take care of. So he's continuing this lesson. This woman comes in. She falls at Jesus' feet. Now, she's not falling there because she's reverencing him. She is falling there because she is desperate. She is utterly broken. Hey, moms, she has a daughter. She has a daughter that is possessed. She has a daughter that we read about demon possession in the Bibles and kids with demon possessed. Don't think a child can't be demon possessed. We got a whole bunch of them that are starting around the world that are starting to be demon possessed. One little boy threw himself. The demon threw him into the fire. The demon threw him into the water trying to kill out these small children. Satan's always wanted to kill our children. He's always wanted to fill their minds with sickness like evolution and different things to try to take them out and to try to destroy them any way he can put them in the university and foul them up put them in the public school system and foul them up and you know don't teach them at home and foul them up amen he's always trying to try, trying to uh, get us in there uh, and 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 to begin to just mess our minds up and so she's not falling at his feet out of out of reverence but she's falling out of a mother's heart She's absolutely just desperate for, for uh, 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 her daughter who is possessed. And the attitude of her heart is humiliation, it's desperation, it's utterly brokenness. And, and she says, Jesus, would you be willing to heal my daughter? Would you touch my daughter? I'm desperate. I'm a mom who needs you to touch my... And maybe, maybe she's even more desperate because maybe it was her actions that caused the daughter to be demon-possessed. Maybe she took her to a wicked, uh, idolatrous temple. And maybe, or she went to an idolatrous temple. And maybe, you know, so all kinds of things may be going through her mind. This is my fault she's this way. I, I, I did things. I, I brought things in my home. I, I, I didn't keep things out. I didn't protect her. And now she's demon. I, there's no telling what's going all through her mind as she's sitting there and thinking, what caused this? And she said, if I'd only taken precautions, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that, but Jesus, can you help my daughter? Will you touch my daughter? And Jesus says something that's just absolutely uh, just uh, offensive and astounding and harsh. He says, uh, I'm not going to give you the bread that goes to the children because you're a dog. You're a dog. It'd be like somebody coming in my office and me saying, We're not, I'm not going to pray with you because that's for the congregation and you're not a member. And that's what he's saying. You would be like, oh! But that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And, 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 but, but in order to not get... Oh! You've got to understand the context of what he's saying here and you'll fully understand why he says this. Jews thought that Gentiles were dogs. And that's what you've got to understand. And the reason they thought that Gentiles were dogs was because Moses gave a law in the law of Moses that said that Gentiles could not enter the temple courts. And so what they did with their law was they began to add tradition upon tradition and law upon law. And so they said, well, if they can't go to the temple courts, then we got to make sure that, that, uh, that they don't enter in. And so we got to start to add our own rules and we got to add our own laws. And I tell you what, we're going to take it a step forward. We're going to say, you better not even eat a meal with a Gentile. You better not even go to the market and buy anything from a Gentile. We better not catch you even associating with a Gentile. 
pile. And they begin to stack law upon law, tradition upon tradition, until eventually the Jewish people of this day that were here right there were brainwashed themselves to think the Gentiles were subhuman people. We're great. We have God. But they're scum. They're dogs. They're dogs. And so that's what's taking place here. And that's the mentality of the day here. And what Jesus is trying to... We're going to see that He corrects all that. Uh, and, and so he, he comes and he, and he gets to the teaching. You, he, Jesus gets done in his teaching with this defilement about race and nationality, about what goes into a person and out of the person. And then he says, you're defiled because of what comes out of your heart. He sees past all this added tradition. He sees past all of this stuff, the Bible says. And Jesus here is not calling her a dog because she's a Gentile. Jesus is calling her a dog because she's a sinner. He is calling her a dog because she's a sinner. Now, what is a dog? We love dogs. Megan, I see your dog. On, on, uh, you love her. Uh, is it her? Is it her? What's her name? Margo. Margo. Awesome dog. I love it too when I see her on the, on the pictures. Margo. Margo. We love Margo. But I, I, I hate to bust uh, Megan's bubble. As much as we love Margo and dogs make great pets, dogs are filthy. Dogs go out in the yard and dogs eat grubs. Dogs go out of the, in the yard and they sniff each other's rear end. Dogs lick places they should not lick. And, and I'm here to tell you, dogs are absolutely filthy animals. And so he's comparing this woman to a dog. And he says, as much as a dog is a great companion, they are unclean. And Jesus is telling this woman, and he's telling anybody in here who is not under the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a dog, you are unclean. Your nature is unclean. Your nature is defiled. And what comes out of you is not of God and not of good. And so the whole nature, he is saying, is completely and utterly depraved. And that's what's so amazing is, is rather than get offended like some of me, maybe some in here did when I just said that, she gets it. She gets it. She understands. And she doesn't get offended at all. She absolutely, uh, she knows. She's, she, she's going over in her mind the sins she committed last week. She's going over in, the sin, in her mind the sins she committed yesterday. She's going over in her mind all the wicked things that she has done. And she's saying, I know I've made mistakes. I understand. But she says, I know I'm a dog and I know I'm a sinner, but I've heard about you. Maybe she went to temple one time and maybe she saw in the Old Testament how God took a sinful people and how He brought them out of captivity and how He led them across the wilderness not because of anything they had done but because of His great namesake. Maybe they knew. Maybe she, maybe she one time went into the town where He was and maybe she heard about how He had touched blinded eyes of people that didn't understand or didn't, didn't even deserve it and how she had touched lepers and they had gotten well. Or maybe she had heard about the demon possessed a father and his son that went into the fire and into the water and I've heard about you. I know about you. Yes, I'm a dog. Yes, I don't have a right to be taking food off the children's table but I know about you. I know there's provision there for somebody like me. I know there's mercy there for somebody like me. And even though I'm wicked and even though I'm depraved and even though I'm a dog, I know there's a place for somebody like me at your table, God. 
Woo! That's why when I sing those songs, I start doing this. Because I was a dog. And I am a dog apart from God. Just let me leave God off, the, off one day and I'm right back there sniffing the wrong place. Eating the wrong thing. Doing the wrong things. And if you think you are, you're fooling yourself. And COVID, I hope, exposed that in you. Even though I have no right to be at your table, God, I know there's mercy on that table. I know you provide for everybody else and you'll provide for me. <laughs> and if you could come to that place like I did in 1994, it will kick you into a new place of relationship with God. If you can come to the place where you recognize I am who God says I am. Uh, if you can come and say I recognize who I am and I recognize who you are. I recognize I'm a dog and I recognize you're good. I recognize I'm a dog and I recognize you offer mercy. I recognize I'm a dog but I recognize you give grace to people like me. If you can do that, it brings you to a place of dependence. It brings you to a place of acceptance. And, 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 and even though you're not fit to be at the table, you're unfit. And that's hard for us to accept because we preached, like Daniel taught this past week, a bunch of hooey of, the, of theology in this nation that is out of the pits of hell. And it's messed people's ideas up. And all they think is this. They think that there was something great about me before salvation. And it caused Jesus to come down and die for me. And I got news for you. That's not what the Bible says. The, 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 you didn't provoke Jesus to come down. The Bible says that you were utterly depraved. You were a dog. And what provoked Him to come down is how great He is. How great... Is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. We all will see how great. Because y'all won't sing. I can't sing. How great is our God. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about yourself. And about Him. Romans 1, 2, and 3. Romans 1, 2, and 3 tells us this. Underneath your tongue is the poison of asp. Happy birthday, Declan. It's his birthday. He's young. He's still got the poison of asp under his tongue because he's got Adam's nature. We are murderers and God-haters. We are idolaters and we hate our parents, it says. We are selfish and every motive of our heart is utterly filthy. God did not come because we are worthy, but because He is good and He is love. That's exactly what He came. How many saw a movie while back? I, I didn't see this, but I heard about this movie and somebody made a great reference to it about the gospel. How many ever saw the movie Sabrina back with Harrison Ford back in the day? You're all afraid to say you watched a movie. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple of you. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 it's Sabrina, uh, it was a movie and it was about a rich, rich man, I think. I'm going to tell the story right. About a rich, rich father and he dies and he leaves the business to his son, Harrison Ford. And so, uh, but Harrison Ford has to get some kind of a deal. It sounds like a sappy Hallmark movie that we watch with our wives, guys. Don't admit that you watch with your wives. Yes. Don't leave me hanging. 
Okay, and, and so, so it's the same story, and, but, it, but it's the story. And all of a sudden we have this rich, rich man and he, has, and, and, and he leaves the business to his son. The son has all kinds of money, but he has to arrange to keep his money or do something like to keep his money. He has to work some kind of deal with this chauffeur's daughter. She's just a servant girl. And so he arranges this deal with this chauffeur's daughter. And in the midst of it, you know, it starts out, he starts dating her. She doesn't know, but he falls madly in love with her in the process. So here's what he does. He tells her about what he's done and that I'm now in love. And what does she do, gentlemen? Because you've watched it. She gets angry and she leaves, right? And she goes to Paris. And there she's back busy. He doesn't know where she's gone. He goes back to his life, but he can't stand it. And all of a sudden now it's gnawing at him. So he hunts down the chauffeur daddy and he begins to ask the chauffeur daddy, I've got to find Sabrina. I love her. And here's what the father says. You don't deserve her. And he says, I know, but I love her. And the father says, she's in Paris. Go get her. Now, what if he had said, you don't deserve her. And he said, oh, I think you're mistaken. I have all the money in the world to take care of her. I can give her anything she wants. I can make her life so easy. What do you think the father would do? Eh, wrong answer. And if he didn't, we'd all be screaming at the TV, you scumbag, no, don't let her go back. You know, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel message. It, it, it comes down to the place where we admit we don't deserve Him and we don't deserve to be at His table. And the Father says, then come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. I know you don't deserve it, but look at me. I'm good. I'm good. And I've got all the provision you need. I've got all the wealth you need. You do, and we do, it's coming to the place we don't deserve anything from God. And then His life and His love can begin to blossom inside of us because He is bringing us back to the basics all over again. And He's bringing us, and that's what He's done in COVID-19. He's brought us back to the basics, and He has to do this from time to time in our life and in our work, in our walk with God. God because the little self-righteous tries to come in and tries to weave its way in and we have to be brought back to the place that we realize in my flesh dwells no good thing. I'm a dog. But God, there's provision at your table. Even the dogs get to eat at your table. Even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. There's provision for me at the table. There's mercy for people like me at the table. And God will do this over and over. Last point of my message, and then we'll get ready. We'll have a quick altar call, and then we'll go forward with our graduates. The last point, this woman doesn't stop at that place. Here's what, what, what does she do? She, she recognizes that she, she says, I've heard about you. I've heard about you. You're right. I've heard about you. I see mercy in you. And she says, that's what I want. I want that mercy. And, and, and here's the thing. I want you to hear this so closely because I have fallen and I guarantee you have fallen in this same trap. She, there, there's two types of pride. One type of pride is this. But is this. She, she must see the magnitude of her sin or she fails in her relationship with God. 
She must see the magnitude of her sin or she fails in her relationship with God. The reason some of you are failing in your relationship with God is you're so full of pride and so full of yourself and so full of flesh that you don't see your great need from God. You still think you're all that in a bag of chips. You don't realize that you are a dog. You always look like I did growing up. Well, I'm not as bad as them. At least I don't smoke. At least I don't chew. At least I don't go with the girls who do. Right? When you quit comparing yourself and you recognize how depraved you are, that you got the tongue of an ass, that apart from God, there's no good thing that dwells in you, that you are capable of doing anything. Murder. Lying, cheating, stealing. You'll have a lot more compassion. You know what? I know people who know what they've been forgiven of because they have a lot more mercy for people outside of these doors. They're not always criticizing. They're not always beating them up. They're not always there because they know what they got saved from. And they have mercy because they were extended mercy. And so she, she must see the magnitude of her sin or she begins to, to fall. She begins to fall. And, 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 or the second form of pride, the second form of pride that comes in is when we, uh, when we begin to... Uh, another type of pride is that says, I might be a bad sinner, but God's mercy uh, uh, is, not, is so limited that it cannot cover me, somebody like me. And that's the second part. That's the second part of failing in your relationship with God. That I have so much sin. That, oh boy, Brad, you've convinced me. I already knew I was, I was scum. I already knew I was a dog. Already, look, God takes no pleasure in you coming in church with your head cast down. That's not piety. That, you, you, you feeling sorry for yourself or you, are you looking a certain way doesn't make manipulating God to, to, to see and notice you. You know how much you've sinned and you feel bad about that sin. There is a godly sorrow we learn that leads to repentance. But there's a place where we come out of that where we recognize, hey, I am a dog, but, but, but I've seen you, I've heard about you and you offer mercy to dogs and I can hold my head up high because you receive people like me at your table. You cleanse them. You cover them with blood. You put a new robe on them. You put new sandals on them. You put a ring on their finger. You put your spirit inside of them that causes them to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father, I'm part of the family. And He's the lifter of your head. And you begin to walk around like you're a kid, like you're a child of the King. Amen? And so there's two extremes of pride and this story handles both of them. The pride of, I'm not that depraved. Look at them. You can't have a relationship with God. Or the opposite of that is, oh, he's just, a, I've just done way too much. I could never answer an altar call today because, because he doesn't know. He, he, I, he can't forgive somebody who's done a sin over and over and over and over and over again. And who might go home when I get out of here and do it again today because that's what I'm feeling in my heart right now. 
And he recognizes that that, that that one, he covers. God's mercy, is, it, it, it can cover me. It can cover me. It can, it can provide grace for me. He can change me from the inside out. And here's what it comes down to that they both said at the end. This woman and Christ said this. She, for the humility, Jesus said, and the honesty that you've spoken here today, your daughter is healed. There's healing coming to your house. I want to read one last Quote, quote that John Newton if you know John Newton John Newton was a preacher but John Newton before he was a preacher was a slave trader and he worked with William Wilberforce who helped abolish slavery in England back in the day and John Newton felt tremendous guilt for what he had done for killing slaves for being having them harbored on a slave ship and here's a quote from John Newton he said you that that just epitomizes those two extremes he said you say you feel overwhelmed with guilt and a sense of unworthiness well indeed you cannot be too aware of the evils inside of yourself but you may be indeed you are improperly controlled and affected by them you say it is hard to understand how a holy God would accept such an awful person as yourself. You then express not only a low opinion of yourself, which is right, but also a low opinion of the person working the promises of the Redeemer, which is wrong. You complain about sin, but when I look at your complaints, they are so full of self-righteousness, unbelief, pride, and impatience that they are little better than the worst evils or sins you complain of. What a great quote. What a great quote. You need to meditate. And the best part of that is, is, let me repeat this, you then express not only a low opinion of yourself, which is right, but also a low opinion of the person, work, and promises of the Redeemer, which is wrong. When you hold your head down and you are saying, God can't forgive my sin, it ain't a low opinion of you. It's a low opinion of Him. Bring it all to the table. Bring it all to the table. There's provision for you at the table. There's forgiveness for you at the table. Those sins can be washed away at the table. Everything can be made new at the table of the Lord. Everything can be forgiven at the table of the Lord. It can all be made right and you can walk up with your head high, no longer looking inside of yourself trying to fix you, but lifting your eyes up and fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And when you do that, God says, my blood is so powerful, I can forgive and even restore what you've messed up. He said, I can restore what the canker worm has destroyed and eaten. Guess who the canker worm is? Get you a mirror out, ladies, your little powder mirror. The canker worm is you. You destroyed your own life. And God says, I can build it back. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, Song ready. Thank you, Lord, for this little story. Thank you for this story, God. What a what a what a wonderful. I've never seen this story like this. I've never seen this, God. Never seen chapter seven. It's one of my favorite chapters now. It's not what goes inside of a man that he eats or what he does here in this religious service. Not coming up bowing, doing this, doing the sign of the cross, all these things we try to do to make you pleased with us. It's not what we do outside or inside, God, uh, outside of ourselves. It's what you do inside of us. It's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man. And God, COVID-19 has revealed some things in us once again. I'm, I'm talking about even saved people, Lord. 
Even saved people, there's things in my heart that need to be sanctified. It doesn't mean, I, 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 it doesn't mean I'm not saved. It just means there's things in my heart I didn't realize the busyness of life covered it up. And Lord, you're wanting to, you're wanting to give us a reality check again and bring us back to a place where we, we once again say, God, whoa, wait a minute, I recognize that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And God, I need to come to the table. You've invited me to the table. And there's provision there. There's provision there for anger. There's provision for jealousy. There's there's provision for forgiveness. But maybe there's somebody here and you haven't come to the table. Maybe you never realized how depraved your heart and you're convicted by this. Then I want you to come and I want you to simply say, Jesus, I know I'm a dog. Admit what you are. And then come and say, however, you allow, you allow people with a nature like mine to come to the table and be provided for.